Well, good morning. Welcome to Seacoast Church. We're glad you're here. My name is Josh Surratt. I'm one of the pastors here at Seacoast. And I want to welcome all of you, uh, especially those of you who may be visiting guests with us for the first time. Uh, I know we're doing baby dedications at many of our campuses. And if you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, uh, we're really glad that you're here and that you're trusting us to help, uh, help you as we uh, seek to see your child become fully devoted follower of Christ. I know it's a passion of mine and of our church that we see the next generation really be equipped and become fully devoted followers of, of Christ. And we do that through our children's ministry environments at all of our campuses and uh, through our child dedications kind of as a first step starting point for that. Speaking of the next generation, I think we ought to give it up for the Wando Warriors basketball team, state champions uh, this past weekend. Excited for you guys. I know Coach Eaton is a part of our, uh, our church family and uh, many, many of the, the kids or a couple of the kids I think are as well, but excited about what happened with those guys. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever known somebody who seemed to have a lot going for them, maybe a great job or great family, uh, health, all that stuff going for them? And, and for whatever reason, they, they decided to just throw it all away. Uh, maybe they made a, a really bad decision or made a mistake. Anybody know anybody like that? Somebody's done it. I had a few of them that came to mind as I was thinking about that topic. And I, so I have a couple for you on the board or on the, on the screen. Uh, Ted Haggard, of course, uh, he was a pastor that threw it all away. Uh, Oscar Pistorius, a current event uh, going down, down in, in South Africa. Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse. Tiger Woods, Philip Seymour Hoffman, but several. In fact, you can open up your smartphone right now and, and Google CNN or whatever. You'll probably find a story of someone who's currently in the midst of, of throwing it all away. And I couldn't help but wonder, you know, for, for these guys, which, you know, the fallout is varies. Some of them, it costs them their life. Some of them, it costs them relationships or reputation or respect of other people. But I couldn't help but wonder, did they just wake up one morning and decide just to throw it all away. I mean, maybe it was time change weekend and they were like, oh, I can't deal with all the, 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 the hour less of sleep. Or, or did, did they just do it? And, and usually that's not what happens. Usually they take a couple of small steps. You know, one bad decision leads to another bad decision and they wind up throwing everything away. It's kind of like a health issue. You know, I know many of us probably know somebody who either passed away or experienced some major health consequences because they didn't pay attention to, to some warning signs that were going on. I know I had the incredible opportunity this past Tuesday to spend a lot of money and experience a lot of pain in a dentist's office uh, because I ignored some warning signs that, that happened a while ago. It didn't start there. It started a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, I had a little card that they sent, you know, that said your, your cleaning is scheduled. Uh, and I tossed that in the trash. And then I got another one and, and I missed that one. And then they quit sending them to me because they're like, this is a bad uh, guy. He's not going to show up. And then I experienced some pain from time to time, but it went away. And maybe I missed a, a floss or two uh, from time to time. And so this past weekend I woke up and my mouth was just, I, I had so much pain coming from my jaw and into my head. And so my wife, who's a physician assistant, looked in my mouth and she said, ooh, you've got some problems there. I said, you are not a dentist. Don't try to tell me what's going on in there. All right. So I went and, 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 and got the opportunity to spend, spend some money because I ignored some signs. Well, what I want to do this weekend, we're in a series called Messy Faith. And we're studying the book of Esther. And the book of Esther is so good. Uh, there's so much going on in it. We probably won't cover even half of what happens in Esther just because we only have six weeks to, to look into it. We're in week four. And what I want to do is I want to look at a guy who I believe had one of the most dramatic falls from the top that we ever read about in scripture, that really we ever read about 
in history. This is a guy named Haman, and, and he experiences an incredible fall. And the reason I want to look at it is because I believe that every one of us has the same potential. We all have the capacity, some of us even the tendency, to want to throw it all away. God's given us influence. He's given us success. For some of us, it's, you know, it's, it's that we're going to achieve high level of, of, in our workplace. Maybe some will become a president of a company or even the president of the United States. Some of us will never, never go to that far, but we've been given success in other areas of our lives, maybe with our family and a platform, a place of influence where we can influence people for God's glory. And all of us have the ability and the tendency to throw it all away. So what I want to do is show you what happens to Haman. And, and we'll kind of start with the very first verse in the Bible about this guy. It's Esther chapter three. If you have your Bibles, that's kind of where where we're gonna hang out for most of the time. Uh, Esther chapter three, verse one. says, sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, who was the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, over all of the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. I mean, this guy has it all. When he's hungry for some food, someone brings it to him, right? Like he doesn't, take his own dry cleaning in. Someone takes care of that for him. He is, he's got a platform of success. He's the most powerful man in the empire. Can you imagine that? I mean, what a great platform to be able to influence people, to be able to shape culture, to be able to build a life for himself and his family. He's got all the power in the world. Yet, just a few chapters later, in Esther chapter seven, the Bible shows us how it all ends for this guy. It says that, He goes from being the most powerful guy in the empire. And then in verse 10 of chapter seven, it says, the king said, hang him on that. What is that? It says, they they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. So he goes from this position of power to just a couple chapters later, he's hanging from a rope. And I I know what many of you are thinking, I'm not going to ever end up like that. And you know what? You're probably right. Most of us probably won't achieve that level of success and we probably won't fall to that level of failure. But all of us have influence. All of us, God has a plan and a purpose and and, and, and a a will for our lives. He wants to see us be successful and, and be influential for his kingdom. And all of us will have opportunities to, to strangle that success. Maybe it's financially or or with our careers or with our families or with relationships. We all have the ability to throw it away. And so so what I want to do is look at his life. It wasn't one step, but as we study his life, the couple chapters that we have on his life, we can see that there were some warning signs that sort of told where this was going to go. If he'd have paid attention to him, maybe he avoids what what, what he falls into. Because most of us think, ah, it'll probably just go away, right? And it never does. These little symptoms, these warning signs are, 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 are God's way of being graceful to us to go, hey, I want you to pay attention to what's going on. So let's look at it. If we want to sabotage our success, there's four steps that I believe Haman takes and that I believe that many of us take as well that sabotage our success. And the first one is this. Listen too closely to the applause. Listen too closely to the applause. See, applause is a good thing. In fact, I want to do a little experiment here. It's, um, it, it's Sunday morning. It's time change. I know that you may be dragging a little bit. I need your help. I need you guys to be engaged. What I want to do, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, 
I want us at, at the Long Point campus, at every campus that we have, I want us to just erupt in the loudest, the best applause that you can possibly do. Some of y'all do that little deal where you put two fingers in and it's this whistle. Do it. I mean, whatever it takes, let loose. You're probably going to pull your arm out from around your spouse. You're going to need a full body ready for this thing. I mean, let's just let loose. Like the best thing in the world ever happened. All right? You guys with me? Somerville, I need you with me on this one. One, two, three. Woo! Come on! Woo! Woo! Yeah! Woo! That's great. Someone was just walking in. They thought that we were just excited about them. We are. Doesn't that feel good? I mean, applause is a good thing. Applause is fantastic. Can you imagine if I finished preaching this message and I said, amen, and the place just went nuts like that? That'd be awesome. Be so cool. Can you imagine you're in sales or maybe you're a builder and you finish that project and you do a good job and I mean the whole neighborhood just goes nuts and praises you. Yeah, you the man. Some of you moms change diapers. Can you imagine if you just finished up that diaper and that child went, mom, you are the woman. Ain't nobody wiping like you can wipe. You are awesome. Maybe you, you, you pull a burger off the grill and you feed it to the family and they just kind of, they, they give you a round of applause. You are the man. It would be great. Applause is awesome. We all love it. It feels great. But there is a dangerous element to applause. In fact, look what the Bible says about applause. Proverbs 27 verse 21 says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. It says, Anytime someone compliments you, and please, let's not withhold compliments from one another. It's a great thing, but it's a test. See, it reveals some stuff that may be going on inside of us. I remember the first time I experienced applause, uh, especially for like speaking. I, was, I just got saved, and uh, the youth group asked me to come share my testimony on a youth summer camp. And uh, little did I know that everyone gets saved at summer camp. I mean, it's not anything to do with you. It's just, it's a great environment. If you have kids who are students, middle school, high school, you need to send them to our summer camp this summer. It's an incredible environment. But I spoke, and it was just, there was a lot of emotion, and hundreds of students came, and, and they received Christ, and, and God just did an incredible thing. And I can remember how humbling it felt. It's like, man, it's amazing to feel like God actually uses you for something like that. And I remember talking to my wife about it and going, man, that, that was incredible. I'm, I'm so humbled by that. But, but the danger is the more that you do it, you know, the, more, the better that you get at it, whatever your craft is, whatever your skill is, whether it's sales or, or something else, you know, you're a teacher and you get better and better at it. And at first it felt like, man, this is a gift. But eventually we start to feel entitled. Man, I deserve that praise, right? I mean, I, I, th- this is more about me than anybody else. We forget that God uh, allowed us, uh, has gifted us, and has granted us grace in different areas of our lives. And we begin to expect the applause. We begin to, be, we begin to feel entitled to it. When entitlement starts, gratitude stops, right? When entitlement stop, starts, we stop feeling grateful about our, our opportunities to, to be used, And applause can be addicting. And applause can cover an empty soul. The higher up the food chain you go, the more addicting it becomes. You become the boss. You get promoted to a manager. You start a company. You own. And and, and the more addicting it can be to have people tell you how great you are. 
Well, our boy Haman, he heard the applause of people and he, he didn't pass the test. Every time he walked out the city gate, the Bible says in Esther 3 verse 2, all the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. So every time he walks past, and it's not just the, the common people, it says all the king's officials, the politicians, the powerful people, they're going, man, you are the man, Haman. You know how good you are. You're so good looking. You're so powerful. You, you're so smart. You're, you, you are the man. And they would bow down to him and he liked it. So give me more of that. It began to do something and expose something going on inside of him. He experienced the crucible of applause and, and he didn't do so well. How are you doing in that area? How are you doing with pride? Maybe you've seen some, some signs, some symptoms of, of pride beginning to well up within you. Usually it happens when maybe somebody says something or, 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 or doesn't speak to you when you think that they should or doesn't act a certain way and you start to get offended and go, man, what's going on with that? I deserve to be treated better than that. Maybe entitlement has begun to kind of creep up. It might be a warning sign might be like a little light going off on the dashboard of your soul to go, hey, there's something there. You, you want to pay attention to it because I don't care who it is or what the fall look like. It almost always begins with ego. Almost always begins with our pride. That's why scripture is laced with verses about humbling ourselves and beating back that ego and, 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 and fighting back against the selfishness because it's, it's something that all of us have. All of us have that ego and, 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 and the, the enemy would love to use that to derail us. So the first step to sabotage our success is to listen too closely to the applause. That's not where it stopped though for Haman. The second thing that he did and the second thing that we would do if we want to sabotage our success is focus on what we don't have. Focus on what we don't have. Remember, Haman is, is the second highest ranking official behind the king, most powerful man in the empire. He's got wealth, he's got fame, he's got power, you would think he'd be pretty content, right? Like, I mean, you would think that he would be a guy who's secure in who he is. But, but that's not so much the case. Instead, look what he said in Esther 5, verse 13. He said, but all this does not really make me happy when I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. You guys remember Mordecai. Mordecai was a guy, Pastor Josh talked about him last week. He, he chose not to bow down. To, to Haman. And honestly, that choice probably had less to do with Haman than it did with Mordecai's personal religious beliefs. He just was trained. He's not to bow down to any other man or God. And, and, and so Haman takes it personally. He gets offended and, and he gets stuck on this. Instead of thanking God for all that God had given him, all the power, all the wealth, all the things that he had, he becomes laser focused on the one thing that he doesn't have. What he had been given is the most powerful position in the kingdom. What he didn't have was the respect of one guy and, and he couldn't handle it. You know, this has been part of the human problem since the Garden of Eden. When God laid out this incredible land and he said, hey, you've got all these trees. You can eat the fruit from any of them except for this one. And what does the enemy do? He gets us focused on the one. Focus on that one thing that we can't have. It could be money, it could be uh, the respect of somebody at work. Maybe you uh, kind of like somebody if you're single and there's kind of a crush and it's not reciprocated and you just get focused, you get obsessed on that, that one thing that you can't have. Maybe you are married and, and there's this enticement of this, this thing that you can't have. 
this relationship that's a little bit dangerous and we get, we get focused on what we can't have. What's been the one thing that you've been craving in life that you think is going to make you happy? Is it more money? The respect of that person? Maybe a different body? You know, Greg talked about uh, how God gives some kind of natural favor to some and, and maybe you just don't feel like you, you, you want to look like somebody else and so you focus so much on trying to make yourself somebody that you're not. We've got to be careful when we start to chase these things because it can lead us to a dangerous place. The black hole, it can be dangerous. Be careful, be careful. You know, Jesus said it. He said, uh, what, what good does it do you to gain the whole world if you lose your soul? And when we get stuck on that, chasing the black hole, chasing the more, the next thing, the thing that we don't, the, the focus on what we can't have, it'll end up robbing us of our soul. So what do we do? I mean, what do you do when you have that craving? There's a verse on your outline sheet. I'm not gonna read it to you to right now, but Paul talks about learning to be content in all things. And he had plenty and he had little. And, and I would just say it's, it's a matter of focus. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, be a great spiritual discipline for all of us every day or at least once a week to just make a list of the things that you're grateful for. What's God blessed you with? Maybe it's your health or maybe it's a family that, that you love. Maybe it's a spouse that, 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 that you love, a job, whatever it might be, wealth, whatever he's given you, just to make a, a list of things and, and develop that attitude of gratitude so that it keeps us focused on 
being grateful for what we do have rather than chasing the things that we don't. So Haman hears the applause. He likes it. His pride's kind of being stoked a little bit. And then he starts focusing on this one thing, this one thing that he can't have, this, the, the approval of, of, of Mordecai. A third thing that he does, if you, if you read the story, if you study his life, and it begins to sabotage his success, and it's going to do the same thing for us. If you want to sabotage your success, let your emotions make a fool out of you. Let your emotions make a fool out of you. You know, if you, if you want to sabotage your success, be someone who's ruled by your emotions, your emotions are, are a great passenger, but they're a terrible driver. And if you look at the story of, of Haman, he, he lets his emotions make a fool out of him. Back at the story, Esther 3, uh, verse 5 and 6, says, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage and emotion, right? He had learned of Mordecai's nationality. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. So it starts as an offense. He's upset. He gets angry. And it kind of bubbles up and his emotions take it to, to rage. And now he's thinking, I'm getting revenge on this guy. I, I'm the most powerful guy in the room. I mean, I can, I can hurt you. And then he takes it even further. That rage takes him to a place where now he's, he's thinking about genocide. He's thinking about taking out the entire Jewish race. Your emotions can make a fool out of you. How many of you would admit you've done something stupid while you were mad? I mean, some of us have done something stupid. Yeah, I thought I would share a story of my own, but then I decided on Tuesday, I I asked you guys on Facebook, hey, have you ever done something stupid when you were mad? And you guys have way better stories than I had. You guys have done some crazy things. I'm telling you what, we may need to do a whole series on anger, Josh, because it's it's, it's trouble here. So you guys have done some, uh, one guy punched the scores table while coaching his high school basketball game, broke his hand. Apparently he did not win the state championship that year and uh, said the ref did not reverse the call. Not very smart to punch the scores table. We had one guy in the upstate that got really mad about something and, and he had a reason to be. So he wrote a blog post about this person and ended up getting sued for defamation of character. How many of you know when you're mad, step away from the computer, Okay. Close Facebook down. That's not the place for it. We had a, a, a woman that apparently her husband was watching too much TV. And she said she dumped a whole bag of Doritos on his lap, uh, which I'm not sure what good that was going to do. But she said he cleaned it up, but he doesn't watch as much football anymore. So maybe that, that has been helpful. We had one girl, uh, and I know her, so it was kind of funny to me. She, she's never smoked a day in her life, and she graduated college, and somebody did something that made her mad, and she'd heard a friend saying that, I'm going to go have a cigarette. I'm so upset. So she went and smoked a cigarette. She said she smoked two puffs and threw up. So not a good, not a good uh, deal, not a good response. Uh, Nate Davis is one of our worship leaders, and his, his wife Carrie said, once while Nate and I were praying together, I thought he was making fun of me while I was praying. So I slapped him mid-prayer. Can you imagine that? Like, we're holding our hands on our marriage vision retreat. We're going to the Lord and smack, you know, he gets hit by his wife or his fiance at the time. She said, thankfully, uh, he forgave her. You guys have punched stuff. I got a text from Chris Russo, who's our Columbia campus pastor. He got mad about the radio station. He was, they were on their way to a party and his wife, Abby, had made a quiche. He threw the quiche out the window of the car while they were driving. That's what we sent you in Columbia. So deal with that. That's, that's your campus pastor. This was a long, long time ago. 
But man, you guys have broken hands. People telling stories of punching holes in a wall and finding studs and breaking hands and kicking stuff and breaking iPhones. And we do dumb things when we're mad, don't we? That's what our emotions do. Our emotions will make a fool out of us. They'll, they'll make us do things that, that, that are ridiculous. Proverbs twenty nine eleven. We've all learned this the hard way, it looks like. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Be honest, have you ever maliciously wished that someone else would fail? You know, maybe, maybe someone that you work with and you think, man, they, they deserve to be fired. If the boss knew what was up, they'd, be, they, they'd get fired. Or maybe it was a, an ex or somebody that's harmed you and you just, you wanna see them do poorly. That's, that's a warning sign that there may be something off inside. Psalm 7, 14 to 16 says, there are people who think up evil and plan trouble and tell lies. They dig a hole to trap others, but they will fall into it themselves. They will get themselves into trouble. The violence they cause will only hurt themselves. See, Haman being hung on the gallows that he built for Mordecai, it's a classic example of of, of what our anger does to us. It's a classic example of what rage and unforgiveness and when we've been harmed and we want to we want to pay him back it always ends up hanging ourselves we always end up doing the harm to ourselves so do you have a coworker, or maybe a neighbor family member ex and you kind of find yourself daydreaming about bad things happening to them you know maybe you even intentionally cause harm to them it could be a small thing like ignoring them uh not not speaking to them at a, a certain time or whatever but but y- y- it may be an indicator that there's something, something wrong in our heart when we engage in this kind of thinking. Well, what should we do? I mean, what do you do? Because, I mean, we've all been offended. We've all been hurt. Uh, the, the guy, I mean, Haman probably deserved to have this guy bow. I mean, it was a, sh- a sign of disrespect. What do we do? Jesus said it in Mark eleven twenty five. Very simple, but not all that easy. He said, if you're angry with someone, forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive your sins. Forgive him. Forgive him. It doesn't have to rule your life. That, that emotion of anger doesn't have to, to, to guide your life. Haman didn't have to focus on this one dude. He could have gone on, he could have moved on, he could have forgiven him and moved on, but instead he, he gets hyper-focused on this one guy. And this emotion of anger ends up ruining his life. He started mad at one guy and it turns into rage at an entire nation. The gallows that you prepare for others are usually the ones that end up hanging you. And by the way, it's not just anger. I mean, that's, that was Haman's emotion. For others, it's lust, you know, where that thing gets out of control and it, it makes you do things that, that you never thought you'd do. It could be despair or depression that, that takes you down a road. Remember, emotions are a great passenger, a terrible driver. Don't, don't let them in the driver's seat or they're gonna make a fool out of you. So, we listen too closely to the applause. We, we focus on what we can't have and, 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 and the, the envy, the jealousy, whatever that is. And then, then we let our emotions make a fool out of you. Let me give you one more thing as we close. If, if we wanna sabotage our success, if we wanna derail the plans that God has for our lives, only seek counsel from people who agree with you. Only seek counsel from people who agree with you. So one more time, Haman's walking by and, and it's like, you know, not the first time, second time, third time, but one more time he sees Mordecai and he won't bow down. And he's just frustrated and he's mad and he's upset about it. So he goes home that night and he's talking to his wife and his friends and he says, does he not know who I am? 
Like I've been given all this stuff. I'm so powerful and, and he won't bow down to me. And I'm gonna do something about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this thing right. And so what do you guys think I should do? And here's what it says, Esther 5, 14. It says, then his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, let a gallows 50 cubits high be made. And in the morning, tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman and he had the gallows made. You know, as I read that, I, I, it really stood out to me. This idea pleased Haman. See, he was only taking counsel from people who would tell him what he wanted to hear. And, and what he wanted to hear is, I'm right, this guy's wrong, we need to do something about it. And so they create this plan and it, it pleases him. You know, I've been a pastor for a while now and met with many people and love to connect with people and, and ho- hopefully help guide them in the right way. But every now and then someone will come in and you can just tell they don't want to hear God's truth. They don't want to know what God's word says about their situation. They just want you to validate what the plan that they've already made. And they probably met with some other pastors and often they're coming from other churches as well. And they're just looking for someone to tell them what they want to hear. Is that, is that your posture when you're going into seeking counsel from friends? Are you surrounding yourselves with, with yes people? I can't help but wonder how this would have turned out if Haman just had one person that he'd given access into his life. Say, I want you to speak the truth to me. One person would go, hey, have you, have you thought this all the way through? Like, do, do you know where this is gonna, gonna take you? Yeah, I wanna be that kind of friend. You know, sometimes I'm on the other side of it. In fact, recently uh, we finished uh, moving into a house and uh, we got into a little dispute with the neighborhood association. Uh, God bless them about our fence. And it became this thing, I got focused on it. I got mad about it. I thought I'm right here, they're wrong. What's going on? Do they not know? I mean, what, what, what's the deal here? And so I'm planning out the conversation that I wanna have and, and I'm planning out the letter that I'm gonna write and I'm, I'm just focused on this thing. And I called my friend, uh, my friend Jesse, he's a pilot, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of wanting him to kind of tell me, yeah, you're right, man, let's do it. I know he'd recently built a house and, and we're talking and midway through the conversation, he's like, Josh, I, I, th- I, think, you're, I think you're looking at this thing the wrong way. Uh, I, I think what, right now you're in a power struggle, man. And, and it's either you're gonna win or they're gonna win. And that's not gonna work out well for either of you. He said, have you ever considered what these guys do? Have you ever considered how thankless of a job that they have? trying to maintain a standard of a neighborhood and dealing with all kinds of different issues. And may, maybe you ought to thank them for, for the job that they do and, and the time and work that they put into it. And, and man, they've done a great job with your neighborhood. And I know you need to work this out. You're gonna work it out. But maybe you ought to walk into this conversation with just a little more humility and a little more honor towards them. I'm telling you what, I got off the phone with him. I felt rebuked, but I felt like it felt good. It was like, man, I needed that. I needed someone to just reframe the conversation for me. To go, dude, stop acting like a jerk. And, and I hope that I'll be that kind of friend to others. What kind of friend are you? When people come to you with, with situations, are you the kind of person that's just gonna kind of tell people what they wanna hear? Or are you gonna lovingly speak the truth, bring correction when it needs to be done? The, the, I, I pray that we would be a church that, that would, would speak the truth and love. That when we saw someone who was acting uh, like a way that doesn't bring honor to them or to Christ or to our church, that we would be the kind of people that would just go, hey, have you, have you thought about this a little differently? You know, maybe, maybe you need to examine your own heart before you go into that, that conversation. I'm telling you, it saved me uh, a world of, of embarrassment uh, just from acting in a way that I didn't want to act. So I love this, this last scripture, Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, 
but its end is the way to death. And you know, when we're letting our emotions run us, when we're prideful, when we're focused on what we don't have, there's a way that seems right to man. Well, we think we're doing the right thing. We need the counsel of others to go, uh, maybe not so much, maybe not so much. So Haman's story, if you look at it, it's not just this drastic fall. It's small steps, pride, the applause of others. Man, that feels good. I'm gonna focus on what I don't have, a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy in there mixed in with it. And, and, and then uh, anger, and I'm gonna let my emotions make a fool out of me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them take me wherever they decide to take me, and then I'm gonna surround myself with people who agree with me. And it's all a recipe that ends up with him being hung in the gallows. Where are you guys at today? You know, maybe as we've been talking at all of our campuses, the, the Holy Spirit has sort of begun to allow some warning lights to go off on the dashboard of, of your soul. To go, hey, here's an issue. Son, daughter, I love you too much to, to not address this. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness, envy, jealousy. I don't know what it is, but, but God's given us such a platform, such an opportunity to impact this community, to impact our families, to raise up a generation that loves and serves the Lord. Let's not allow these things, these signs that we see in Haman's life to to take and sabotage our own success. What do we do when we notice some of these things going on? Remember, it's not a big step that you take to fall and it's, it's not always a huge step that you take back. It's just taking a simple step back towards Jesus. That simple step might be repentance, acknowledging your sin or where you've, you've gone astray. It might be forgiveness, offering forgiveness to others. For many of us, it's gonna be taking that step to receive Jesus, to receive the gift that he offers us, his son. You, you've lived this way and it's just kind of always been a part of what you've done. You've done the best that you can, but you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. And if that's you, I just encourage you to take that step, take a step towards Jesus today. Would you guys pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you so much for your grace. Lord, I thank you that your word, it just speaks to us right where we're at. God, and that you have such great plans for us, for your people. Lord, plans to prosper us, plans to give us success. Lord, to, to plans to give us influence, to be a people who would influence our neighbors, our loved ones, our workplace. That we would stand up and be a generation that's known for our love and humility for you. God, I thank you for, for your word today. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would just examine our hearts. Lord, that we would just pay attention, be attentive to your voice, your whisper that might say, hey, son, daughter, I want you to pay attention to this area. I want you to deal with this now because if you don't, it's gonna cause you so much pain down the road. Lord, that we would just listen and walk in obedience to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.